Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at DareResponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. Hi, welcome, Abby. Good to see you. Good to see you. So there are already people I'm texting in the chat. Hello, everybody. Hello, where are you all from? Can you see the chat, Abby? I can, yeah. Okay, wonderful. So as you see, we have people from all around the world here. Welcome, everybody. So who do we have? Holland today. Hi, Dinya. Israel, UK, Texas. That is so awesome. So we have a few, quite a few questions this time. I don't know if we will be able to answer all of them, but we'll try to pack them into categories as usual. So, oh, there she is. It worked. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Abby. Hi. Good to see you guys. Hi. Let me just change my name here. Message poor John, who thinks we're all not locked, we're locked out of our <laughs> webinar now. <laughs> So did you two start already? Did I miss anything? No, 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 no. We were waiting for you, of course. <laughs> okay, guys. So who's here? Who's who's on now? Where's everybody calling uh, calling in from? Oh, we already checked that again. Oh, all that. around. Oh. All of them. <laughs> updating um, my name. Yes. Okay. So wonderful. So Michelle, I just told the people that we were probably not going to be able to answer all calls as usual but we'll try to pack them into categories or, and this goes like every time when we answer something on physical sensations, for example, heart palpitations, the same goes for dizziness and the same goes for, you know, something else physical and right. usually with the mental anxiety stuff. And for anybody who's calling in, we were, since we've been getting so many messages, so many questions coming in, we were playing around with the idea and what better people to ask than the people that are on of what would you guys think about seeing us pop on like the dare Instagram page or a dare Facebook live page, um, and answer some of those questions that we don't get to, um, or even just like a pre-recorded message and, and have that pop up as an answer. If we don't get to it live here, would that be something everybody might be interested in? If, even if just one of us at a time pop up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Facebook live. Okay. Yeah. Y'all don't care, right? As long as you get your questions answered, you don't care where we answer them from. <laughs> yeah, so, so stay tuned for that. Okay, follow, make yeah. sure you follow the DARE Instagram page, DARE Facebook page. Aida and I have our own Instagram pages and Facebook pages too, but we're all writing a lot of the same thing. So we'll post reminders if something like that pops up. Just make sure you follow all the DARE stuff. A lot of free information out there for everybody. Exactly. And we have a special guest tonight. For today, in your case, <laughs> this is Abby. Welcome, Abby. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, sure. Do you want me to give like a little brief? Yes. Story about my anxiety history, or okay. Um, so I'm Abby. Um, I've been with Dare altogether since probably like 2018. Um, but I would not have considered myself an anxious person at all. Like most of my life, I had little things here and there, but nothing major. And then. I had a period of like really like intense stress when my second daughter was born and I had what I didn't know at the time was a panic attack. I thought I was losing my mind because I couldn't recall something that should have been easy for me to recall. 
So anyway, I went through the whole, like going to see a million different naturopaths to try to figure out what was wrong with me and try to fix me. And nobody really knew what was going on until like a year or so later, they were like, oh, you're having panic attacks. And I'm like, it's a panic attack. <laughs> like I didn't understand it. And of course, if you search on the internet, it's like kind of scary. Like it's like doom and gloom, the prognosis for it. So anyway, fast forward a couple years later, I kind of had like these specific areas where that would trigger panic for me. So I thought aside from those places that I was totally fine. Um, so I used, my sister recommended the D.A.R.E. book and I did it on my own and had a lot of success with it. Fast forward to the pandemic, I had a huge panic attack at home and it wasn't like, I'm not the kind of person that was afraid of COVID. I wasn't afraid of getting sick. It was none of that stuff. It was like, oh my God, I'm stuck at home. I can't practice my dare steps. Like, am I going to go backwards? And so I really like pulled myself back into the loop. And then at that point, I'm like, I think I need a little extra help with this. So I did a challenge week with Michelle, um, which led me to dare advanced. And so just slowly, like this time it feels very different. Like doing dare with the book was great, but like doing it with the group really helped me to get like the ins and outs of all of it. Um, so I feel like I've made huge progress. I think I joined a year and a half ago with dare, dare advanced. So, I mean, I still have anxiety some days, but I have days without it. I have long periods of the day without it. So I feel like I've come a really long way. Awesome. And now Abby's one of our D.A.R.E. alumni. So we wanted to invite you back in to, uh, to chat on our call. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And Abby is um, really great in, in answering questions about anxiety because you've seen a lot of sides of anxiety, Abby, right? Like it's not just like every manifestation of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Some stick longer than others, but I've seen them all, I think. <laughs> so so what's, what's some small like... Um, something that helped click things together and what clicked more about being in a group than reading the book or what, what did you hear? Was it from a group member from the challenge week or like just starting to use things in a different way? Like how I did that work? The way that you guys word things, I think like I didn't really truly understand acceptance and that actually has taken me a really long time to get. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think hearing like people's experiences was really helpful. Hearing how people have done different things or handled different things or used the different steps has been super helpful. But what's really gotten me to a place of like next level is like letting go and understanding that like, I have to feel these things to get through them, to heal them. So, and honestly, that's been recent that I've really just truly been like, let go of resistance. Just as soon as I feel the fight come on, stop fighting and just allow yourself to feel like allow your thoughts to come and go. And that's really been like, probably where I've seen the most change. Good. Awesome. Yeah. What, what was your perception of it before? Like, what did you think allow was because you're your and you're pre answering probably so many questions right now. Cause this is so many, yeah. like a big so place where everybody's stuck. Everything I did was to try to get better. I was like the <laughs> queen of like, over daring. I'm like, okay, if I just do this, I'll feel better. And then I was constantly checking to see if I felt better. Mm -hmm. I, it was just like a, a bad cycle of like, I wasn't really accepting. I was accepting with the condition that if I do this, this is going to go away. Mm. And it took a long time for me to realize that's not how this works. Yeah. Who, who on the chat could resonate with that? Who, cause except a lot of stuff go for me. Yep. Yeah. Me. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the, one of the constant stuck places 
Would you agree, Aida? Right? Like it's oh, yeah. trying yeah, to accept and trying to allow and allow are two different things, especially mm-hmm. when you're checking to see, did it work? Dare work? Is it better? It's not working. I better try harder. I have to work really hard at dare. And it's, it's weird. It really is almost the opposite. The majority of my calls this week was exactly about this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this, but it's not getting better. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not getting better because you're using this as a weapon again. It's like it's almost like you have this whole arsenal of tools and your dear tools are also in there. Oh, oh, I'm anxious or I'm going to set back. And now, oh, what do, what do I need to do? All right, I need to diffuse. And then I need to allow and then I need to run towards and then it works. But this is not the mindset that you go about it. When you go about it with that mindset, it will backfire because you're essential. You, you're signaling something totally different. And that is, oh yeah, there is still danger I need to fight. So you use these tools to let go, to step back. I think stepping back is also a good way to put it because when you're in the midst of it and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're doing and you're trying to control, this is where the tension keeps increasing and increasing and increasing until it bursts and you experience a full-blown panic attack. And there really teaches you to step back to watch the show and to allow your body to do its thing. Really hard work in the beginning, but as soon as you get in the habit of it, it gets easier and easier, right, Abby? Yeah, and something that I've been using a lot, I've used it on Michelle's calls, is lean in to like lean in and try to feel it, try to experience it because it becomes so much less scary when you just allow whatever's going on in your body. Yeah, I forgot about that. We did that on the group because we were like, we were talking about um, picture like anybody here as kids, and you want to see what's going on in their room, right? You, you might not want to see like the disaster that's going on in there, but when you kind of lean into the room, like, oh, here's something I might not like, what's going on in there? Oh, oh what? And leaning into the thing that originally this is the thing everybody's trying to get rid of. But I like that word lean in. And so for people that maybe are having a hard time with the run towards, what does that mean? Um, lean in. I like that. And I, you just reminded me of that from the call. Yeah, that was awesome. It's like a gentle, a more gentle approach than run towards because run towards can be really scary, but leaning in is like a more like subtle, gentle kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody wrote here, um, it is so hard, but you know what is also hard? <laughs> this is also hard. <laughs> Going in circles is really hard. Like every time anxiety shows up, like you have the chance to either go this way or that way. One way takes you somewhere and the other one just gets you stuck. And it, it doesn't get you anywhere, really. When you resist, when people say acceptance is so hard, but how is the other one not so hard? Like being right. stuck in this anxious loop and, and turning in circles all the time, that is really hard. It's not getting you anywhere. So I find that just reminding you whenever anxiety shows up to say, hold on a second, this path like to resistance is intuitive and natural. This is what I want to do. This is what my instincts tell me to do, but it's not working. So why do it, not do it, turn around and go this way. Right, right. And it's hard on two different levels because like, it's almost like it's difficult, but for a different reason. Like it's hard to do this all day long. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy. This is where all the, like the frustration and the exhaustion comes in because it's hard to stay alive all day long, but it's also hard to let go. Not because it requires a lot of work, but because it requires you to be like vulnerable and not fight. That's more difficult. I don't want to say harder because harder always to me implies like work, like, like really dig deep and fight hard, but it's a different version of difficulty because it's allowing your, to me, it always comes down to control, vulnerability, and uncertainty and letting go in the midst of all that 
that's how you grow your confidence. It's, it's almost, it's easy to divert back to survival mode when you're surviving through uncertainty, but allowing vulnerability is probably the hardest thing to do because it requires no work. Scary. Um, so keep that in mind guys. Um, cause that's my favorite line, you know, from everybody, you all know it, right? Easier said than done. Right. That's why we have all the webinars and we'll have, we're going to have another one next week. We're trying to add two a month now instead of one a month because it's, it takes reminders to let go, not better get on these, all these webinars to do all the work and make all the progress. It's like multiple reminders to teach me how to like kind of shift into a different state rather than work harder. Yeah. And acceptance always keep in mind is gentle. It's a passive Mm -hmm. thing. You could also maybe say it's a softening of a tense state like anxiety feels like this when you resist you feel like this and acceptance and allowance just means softening that up a little bit that response and if you can soften it soften it a lot just to a tiny bit a tiny bit and this is how you know that you are doing it right meaning that you're in in a you know working state in a state of flow is when you notice or the sensation is still there but the way i perceive my sensations is softer it's mm-hmm. not that that active mode i need to do something but more that okay yeah mm-hmm, yeah okay sucks whatever it is what it is right it's softer right. So notice that when your body changes this a little guy. bit this guy this is accept and allow is this this there's no resistance here there's no tension there's no fight he's not trying to resist accept and allow so this is follow the steps like control and dare and diffuse and allow and, and it's gone yet. And it's more like, that's why we use like the let go, the go spaghetti, the crumple, the melt, soften. It's a whole different set of vocabulary that we are just not used to that. We're used to like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. But the, the best indicator is really always your body. Like your body's the theater of your mind. Like it's that stage. So when you notice your posture is changing, your body's becoming more soft. It's a your- good one, Aida. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Put your code up on there. Somebody type that in so I can message me or post that on the Facebook page so we can remember that. Did you make that up? What exactly did you mean? Like your body is the theater? Yeah. Page? Like your hmm. body's the theater no. of your mind. I like that. I, I think I've heard something similar somewhere, maybe not in that wording, but I, w- I wouldn't want to take credit for it. <laughs> Let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abby, do you want to stick around with us? Help us answer some questions because sure, we only do. have like 56 of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Should I start, Michelle? Sure. You want to sure. just pick what, I mean, again, whatever we go through, we're going to scratch out. And if we can get around to it in between all of our other calls and groups, if you guys like the idea, we'll try and post quick little snippet recordings of answers to some of these questions, um, post them on the dare pages. So stay tuned. And even if we post them as just written posts, Michelle, how about I read all the questions, one to you, one to Abby, then I answer one and maybe that's an easier structure. If I read the questions to you and you answer them. Oh yeah, sure. Or pick, pick one you want to start with. It's up to you. You've got a bunch to choose from. Hi team, so many times we talk about panic being triggered by things and in situations that pose little or no mortal danger. 
However, my particular anxiety surrounds driving on freeways. I find it difficult to practice exposure when experiencing panic and anxiety while driving poses a real threat to the safety of myself and others as the decision-making mind switches off. Any advice? Hmm. And I want you to notice when I read questions, pay attention to the wordings, pay attention to, to things that you think yourself but that you hear other people mm -hmm. phrase this way all the time. My anxiety is different, right, than your anxiety. So that is, that is one thing. And the other thing is what's really interesting, that the decision-making mind switches off when you're anxious and driving. True? Not true? Any thoughts? Oh, you're asking us or the chat? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, you, you tell. Like they're not writing back. I'm like, oh yeah, we're the ones answering the question. <laughs> it really doesn't. It puts you almost into better decision-making mode. I know we all know the thing, the prefrontal cortex gets bypassed and it goes straight to the, like, you know, it, we skips all that to the caveman thing, but really this is the part of you. If there was a real danger happening on the highway, what state does your body automatically go in, in response to the danger? that exact state that everybody's fighting on the highway. It's the same thing. If, if there's a truck coming, you're not immediately relaxed. You get put into that state in response to the danger. The problem is we're, we're being pre-put into that state before a truck shows up. And because there's no truck to attend to, we're now attending to the fear. And so try and view it as not as um, the anxiety that's the problem. Um, you know, the, the number one cause of problems with driving is distracted driving. And so it's again, learning how to like something might grab your attention, but how much time are you spending staring at your anxiety and how you feel and allowing that feeling while you focus on driving. Remember we're, we're fighting the part of us that puts us in a heightened state to stay alive when there is an accident on the highway. And so, you know, a lot of people make it more dangerous, but the highway is more dangerous or, I can go in the left hand. I can't go in the left hand lane, but not the, well, depending on where we are, New York, right? So I'll go in the right hand lane, but not the left hand lane because it's too fast. And if I freak out, I got to be able to pull over quickly. And so we're either attending to our panic or we're attending to trying to not kill everybody on the highway and go with that mindset of like, my alarm might ring in the car. And then it's never up to me to attend to that alarm. We're not designed to attend to anxiety. We were designed for our bodies to send us anxiety so we can attend to danger. So feel scared and go look for danger. You're probably the most alert person out there. Everybody else is texting their friends and shaving their legs and doing whatever the hell else they're doing and we're driving like, don't die, stay alive, right? So I remember my husband said to me one time, he's like, you're so focused and alert and you have so much energy. You could probably lift up this car. I'm like, yeah. You're so in tune to driving. <laughs> that kind of put it back in perspective for me. It's like, I'm not afraid of like driving. I'm afraid of how I feel when I'm driving, but I'm yes. so focused and I'm probably more safe than anybody else on the road. Exactly, exactly. And keep in mind that driving is an unconscious, a subconscious thing. Have you ever drove somewhere and, and you missed the exit because you were thinking about something else? Or do you think about how many meters before that turn you have to turn the, the wheel? You don't, you just do it. You mm -hmm. don't, this is not a rational decision, right? This is, happens subconsciously. And it's the same when you drive with anxiety, you might feel different, but 
um, the, the way you drive and, and where all the instructions on how to drive is, is not affected by that, right? So keep that right. in mind, you, you're safe. And just check like the news or ask people if anybody ever, 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 ever caused an accident um, because they were anxious. You just won't read it because it doesn't happen. Right. And remember one last thing too. Notice how I feel and what I do are two different things. And they seem to be tangled up right in the beginning, like in the midst of it. But it's, I feel really scary. And I feel like I need to pull over right now. That tiny little space at first. Do I? Why? Why am I pulling over? Are there bees in the car? Is there a truck coming towards me? Or do I feel scared? Am I in fear or am I in danger? If you're in danger, attend to danger. If you're in fear, notice fear. Kind of like you would notice your kids screaming in the back seat. If they're just having a fit or they drop their Cheerios or whatever, you're not going to drive like this the whole time. You're going to notice it and then just keep looking forward, right? And so remember, I can't choose how I feel, but I can choose my actions. Have to get off. Do I? Do I have to get off? Because I don't like, I have to get off for emergency situations. So pay attention to how you feel and what you do. And also what you, go back into notice mode. Wow, I notice I'm feeling really scared right now. Even take the word anxiety off the page. We have somebody in Dare Advance who I loved it. She posted that she wasn't using the word anxiety anymore. And it's kind of cool when you take that word out because we shove everything into that category. Oh, my skin's a little dry here. Is that anxiety? Oh, is this anxiety? Is it, it's, be specific about what I'm feeling. My heart, my chest feels a little tight. My heart is racing. I feel a nervous feeling in my stomach. I also notice it's really nice out. I notice I'm also hungry. And then you get to zoom out and put, put it a little bit more in perspective rather than the one feeling I don't like. I can also notice other feelings. I can notice the song on the radio. I can notice my speed limit. I can notice that red car that just drove past me. Then you switch from survival mode back into observational notice mode. And you know, when we say anxiety, for most people, it's almost like it's this mysterious big thing, the monster behind the door, an illness, something that is doing that to you. But you know, in a clinical sense, anxiety is, is, is a label for a group of a behavior and a thinking pattern. It's not the illness itself. So but the anxiety is your, your destructive behavior and destructive response to it. So there is no anxiety that has a life of its own. Your response is what is creating the anxiety because as Michelle said, all you're really experiencing are, are sensations. That is all. And all these sensations have a biological basis and that is an, an overstrained nervous system. That is all. Now, somebody else, when they, when they go through periods of stress, they don't say, I have anxiety. They say, I'm stressed or I'm on edge. Right? I just want to chill a little bit. But people who start to obsess about these sensations, they call it anxiety. So always keep in mind, anxiety is a self-made thing, right? In you, and that's a bitter pill to swallow. I know that, but at the same time, that means that it is in your hand. So you can change it. Yeah. And I just want to say, you kind of answered a question that's down here. So I just want to say the question so you can see that it was addressed. Is there a difference between stress and anxiety? As from what I have read, stress is bad for your health, yet the dare response says you are not in any danger. And so- it's not, there's are, there will always be stressors, life stressors. And it's how I perceive those stressors, how I respond to those stressors and how I treat the part of me that helps me respond to life stressors, which is this energy that comes up. And so usually with life stressors, like Aida was saying, 
we're looking at the stressors. So as life stressors go up, expect your alarm system to go up. And as life stressors go down, this usually regulates itself first. And then we start the process of feeling better after, right? Like I'm safe from the bear. And then my body starts to calm down. This goes usually like this. And we're usually facing this way. Okay. With anxiety, when we get stuck in the loop, life stressors, anxiety, this becomes the stressor because now like the focus turns inward. We start treating this as the other problem. And that's how the loop keeps it going. So stress, a stress response and an anxiety and an anxious response. That's also a, um, a video I have up on the dare YouTube channel. You could see, um, again, my little stick drawings to help explain it a little bit better. So just wanted to make sure we said that question out loud so you could see that it was addressed. Right, okay. 54 left. You can do it, ladies. <laughs> so um, do you have okay. any particular question in mind that would apply to a lot of people, Michelle? Um, or should I just yeah, one? I have one that I have a couple here that I marked. Um, okay. Here's one. I have, I've been dealing with left arm and shoulder issues for the last couple of months. So if you have a different physical sensation, just do cut and paste instead of left arm and shoulder. Okay. I just wanted to pick this because it was a specific physical thing. Every time it starts to hurt me really bad, my anxiety kicks in because I think something is going to happen to me because of my left arm bothering me. I feel it really kicks in at bedtime and I'm tossing and turning all night and constantly checking my blood pressure and heartbeat. I have really bad health anxiety and just want to feel me again overcome my worries and fear of death. Thanks. Okay. My chat people who can relate to this, forget it that it's arm or nighttime because it's like, well, she didn't answer my question because mine's shoulder in daytime or mid morning, but it's that similar sort of thing where I notice a physical, here we go. Yeah. Here come all the yeses. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> notice a physical discomfort. We hook it to some worst case scenario and it leads to some version of death incapacitation, right? And then we were on high alert, searching for doing something about it and it just fuels the fear. Yes, okay, so that's, yeah. Oh, how I can relate, yes. So that's why I wanted to mention this one. So all yours, ladies. Yeah. Avi, would you like to, to, to respond to that? Sure, um, so I mean, I had a different physical sensation, but dizziness was like my main thing, but I think it's important to pay attention to the story that you're telling about it mm -hmm. and diffuse the thoughts that come along with it. So, I mean, if, you know, if death and destruction is your story about whatever physical sensation, that's not truth. That's just a thought that your brain has generated. So you need to somehow separate yourself from that, whether it be, you know, I've tried like, you know, watching my thoughts float by as clouds, um, stamping my thoughts is irrelevant. Um, and those all work to kind of separate you from your thoughts rather than looking through your thoughts. And also depending on the situation, um, running toward your worst case scenario was really huge for me. So like whatever it is that you think your pain or your um, sensation means, run toward it, ask your anxiety to bring it on because it never can, it never does. Um, and it kind of like, breaks that illusion that something terrible is going to happen to you. Exactly. And you already said it like your fear is death. So everything that might threaten your health is, of course, mm -hmm. something you need to attend to. 
right? Of course you, you shouldn't, but this is what your anxious mind is, is telling you because if you attend to it soon enough, you might prevent it. So you see how this control part is always interwoven in anxiety. There is something, attend to it, because if you can do something about it, then you maybe don't die, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very smart mechanism because if it's real danger, then yes, please attend to it and help yourself. But you know that this is just anxiety. And when you know it's just anxiety and you have had your health checked and it came back with a clear bill, then by all means do what Abby just said. Like tell anxiety to bring its worst and say, you know what, I'm ready to leave this earth tonight. If this is a heart attack, then let's do it. This is the fastest way to get rid of, of this fear. Now, if this is a step too far for you at the moment, I would suggest that you create like, like a chart in your head where one part is a red zone, a gray zone and a green zone, right? And like the green zone is where you're completely comfortable. You have no pains and aches and everything's just perfectly fine. The gray zone is you have a little bit of a headache, maybe digestive issues, all these small things. And the red zone is obviously danger. And when people with health anxiety, there's no gray zone. Like it's either perfect health or terminal. And when, so when a thought comes up, oh my God, what is this pain in your arm? Is this going to cause you a heart attack? Take that in, in your head, in, in your imagination, take that thought like a basketball and throw it into that gray zone, right? right? So all oh, this belongs into the gray zone. So the gray zone is the normal zone. This is where everybody lives in every day. Like, Michelle, did you have anything today? An ache? <laughs> Digestive? A million. A million. <laughs> right? We're in like in that fun position where I like, I notice all of them now so I can share them on the group call. <laughs> thoughts have been my thing. So now I've been noticing all these weird thoughts. So I just so I could talk about them to normalize them. I think the problem is we, we, we are shitty storytellers. We are the worst. Oh, here's this thing. Oh, let's see how I could die from this thing. And here's this thing. Well, if this thing, well, if this is, what if this is an aneurysm and this leads to this and then I die and oh my gosh, then I'm going to be dead. And now I'm looking at myself at my own funeral, my kids and everybody's so sad. I don't want that to happen. So better do something about this. You don't get to do anything about this other than notice it. The physical discomfort, again, this goes, well, we say it all the time, but I'll say it again. Something physical is happening. Go get it checked by somebody who specializes in physical things a doctor. And then after that, dare is not, I'm struggling with dizzy. I'm struggling with heart palpitations. You are, might be struggling with heart palpitations, but this is not your anxiety. Your anxiety is the struggle. And this idea that if I like, I'm attempting to control a physical sensation to keep myself alive. And that's the story that's wrong. So that's the story you want to start changing a bit. Like I just have blank right now. I'm experiencing blank right now. And then anything that's not here, that's off into a little bit of the future, feels like it's gonna, notice those words. Those, that's the anxiety storytelling mode. Feels like it's gonna, what if it does? It's gonna, it's, it's too, the word T-O-O. My heart's beating fast. My heart's beating too fast. Oh, so what did you do? Did you perform open heart surgery on yourself tonight? No, I just kept staring at my heart. And making myself more scared and staring at it more. And so it almost kind of just keeps us in the cycle, thinking we're being productive and proactive by looking at the part of us as if we're preventing danger, just keeping yourself in a heightened state. So you kind of get to choose. Yeah. Hmm? And surrender, right? Surrender yes. to it. 
surrender like if you're gonna die you're gonna die <laughs> right? right that sounds weird but you know you trust your judgment trust that you know the difference between chronic human fluctuation syndrome and michelle will explain in just a bit what that means because she came up with <laughs> absolute fantastic term if it's just nothing like two days ago i woke up and i had a uh, you can't see it anymore here unfortunately that was a rough patch it was red and it had some white spots in it i've never had that before i was like what the fuck is this and so i was like oh there is this great dermal app i was like oh well, fine let me scan this i scanned do you know what it was of course it was cancer instant instant death it's usually cancer. instant death You're right right <laughs> So now I, I would be an anxious person. Of course, that would be absolutely crazy. So you just, so I said, hmm, I'm going to wait and see. If it gets worse, I'll go get it checked out. If not, it's probably, probably what do you call it, Michelle, in, in short? Chronic C C H C H F S. Chronic human fluctuation syndrome, which means sometimes your body does weird shit. But with anxiety, our plain old weird shit that's happening, we look at it like this. So the fluctuation is just seen more clearly. And so like, if I hold my hand, I don't think I've ever done this on the webinar. If I hold my hand straight back here, right? Nice and straight. If I hold my same straight hand here like this, like you can see it moving more. So the closer and you zoom on something, the more fluctuations you're fi you'll find. So if you're standing there with the light and a magnifying glass, basically looking for how you're gonna die any second, at least put your, give yourself the choice. I can spend all day staring at my body, waiting to die at any second, but I also can't expect not to feel anxious. So if I'm expecting something to show up and kill me any second, I'm also going to accept the fact that I'm anxious. We kind of want both. We want to like keep ourselves alive all the time and find certainty. I want to be sure I'm okay and not feel anxious. And so it's kind of like, you got to find that gray area where it's like, yes, I found something that reminds me of danger. Rather, I feel nauseous is different than I feel like I'm about to throw up. Different. Both have nausea as the present notice discomfort. One takes nausea and pins it to some worst case scenario. And then we fight nausea to try and prevent the worst case scenario. Who does that? If you write in the chat, what are you fighting and what are you trying to prevent from fighting? You'll see a lot of the like, maybe different scenarios pop up, but you'll see this is how the physical stuff and health anxiety always works. Here's my heart palpitation. I'm afraid of having a heart attack. Um, so I'm going to try and calm down my heart so I don't have a heart attack. Feels like I'm about to pass out. That's another top 10, top three, probably. And if I Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say a couple of people were asking in the chat about whether you have to be patient and consistent with diffusing these thoughts. 1000%. Yes. <laughs> we're not good at that either. Patience is not our virtue. Yeah. But do you know what's even more important than diffusion? Like stop the things that are making it worse. A little bit tough love here, health anxiety. Like, you know, you're going to have these thoughts. You know, your anxiety is going to get triggered by every little sensation, but you are the one who goes on Google. You mm -hmm. are doing that. This is your decision every time. Remember, you are choosing to take that turn into that roundabout and, and to stay stuck here. So next time, just don't. Don't yeah. try to just be with, with that tension, with that anxiety that comes up with uncertainty and choose choose to say, you know what, I'm just going to wait three days. If mm -hmm. it's still there in three days, 
I can still go and check, but for three days, I'm going to promise myself, I'm just going to leave this be because I deserve a chance to, to finally get on the path of freedom. And you don't want to spend your whole life trying to prevent and control something that never happened. There's right. so much life energy and, and love and, and time lost in that for something that you can change. You can change your behavior. You can change your response. Maybe not the anxiety, but but that you can. That was actually a game changer for me was to stop looking on anxiety forums and stop checking in all the time and Google searching. That was huge because it was in my mind all day long, every day. And when I stepped away, automatically mm -hmm. I noticed my anxiety level dropped. Right, right. Because it, it, it sends the same message of, there's a problem and I need to keep searching and scrolling. And if I could just find the right person that says the right thing, then something will click and then it'll all go away and then I'll feel better and then I'll be better able to accept and allow. And it's that, that behavior is actually what's fueling the problem. And so it's almost like somebody wrote this great post. I have to go find it. in one of the Facebook pages is like, like anxiety is something that heals itself when you just sort of leave it alone. And she was like, I spent years doing the opposite, like trying to heal and making sure I do the right thing and take my vitamins and do this and exercise. Yeah, those things are good. But if you're trying to do it for anxiety, it just keeps the focus on anxiety, which is the, the problem. Exactly. Do you guys oh. find this, anybody who posted a million things about the, the physical stuff and health anxiety, do you see how, even though it's I might not have mentioned your thing since it's specific to left arm and shoulder, but how we take a specific body part, we hook it to some worst case scenario and, and how you like try. Okay, good. Super helpful. Like trying to control my breathing. Cause I don't want to die. So I'm going to spend all day can trying to control a part of me that doesn't need my control. She posted this there. Okay. I'll, I'll try and find that Amar. I'll, I'll try. It's there somewhere. I have to go find it. Um, and also just to mention also, um, I know we don't always talk about this a lot, but when it comes to health anxiety, also pay attention to oftentimes, okay, there may be somebody in your life that is also dealing with a health problem or somebody else had a health problem or your dad had a heart attack and now you're focused on your heart. And a lot of times somebody in your, something happens to somebody else or something is in the process of happening to somebody else. Somebody else is having a health problem and it's almost too hard to handle. Cause again, it's like, that's definitely out of my control. I can't do anything about this person's health condition. And we almost like, well, maybe I can just take a look on mine. I'm going to try and control my, uh, here, my child has a health condition. And so, so like, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt myself, but I love this post. I thought you guys were mean the first webinar, but I see that the tough love is really well balanced with the compassion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because it's, it's to kind of, be firm with yourselves too, to say, wow, I'm acting, I'm doing all this stuff to feel more in control. I feel vulnerable. Things are uncertain. And I'm trying desperately to hang on to something to feel better. And healing from this is to allow yourself to feel, not to eliminate the feel. So keep that in mind too. If anybody's dealing with life situations, notice if you, you maybe are like kind of hooking it back into yourself. My wife's can't diagnosis. Yeah. So this is something that comes up a lot. We don't really talk about it a lot on the call so much, but, but just, it's something to be mindful of. Oh, so this person's I'm going through a treatment for this. And now I'm in a heightened alert for that particular part of my body. And now I'm trying to somehow prevent what's happening to them from happening to me. Um, just, just to help you with your why it's still the same now, what, but just to help you understand the why.
Cool. So next, Michelle, you had some questions marked. You want to go with them? Um, sure. Okay. So I, I marked another one here, how to apply dare response to agoraphobia. So this is another mm -hmm. one. We talk about exposure therapy and doing it the right way. Anybody dealing with leaving your house. And I really wanted to talk about this too, because sometimes the world's opening up, sometimes the world's closing down and then it's open and then it's open and then it's closed and then it's kind of open. And then again, we get used to what we're getting used, what we get used to. And so things are opening back up. People are now, there we go. Yep. Yep. Here. Okay. So getting out, right. Or like home is base, right. I go out and I feel scared. I feel vulnerable. Home is safe. Um, so how do you apply the dare response to agoraphobia, which for anybody who doesn't know, it's, it's usually either the fear of being away from your home. Um, oftentimes it's, it's tied into like the fear of being around too many people or open spaces or away from your perceived safety zone. Abby, would you like to respond? Sure. Um, I didn't have agoraphobia, but I was this close. <laughs> if I had, <laughs> if I hadn't just like forced myself to just go do things feeling uncomfortable. So my best advice is to start small. If you're afraid of going into public spaces or driving or whatever it might be. Um, so pick a goal, pick a goal to maybe go into a store that you haven't been in, um, maybe go in and get one item the first time, allow how you feel um, diffuse any anxious thoughts that pop up, but stay like, don't run out on anxieties terms, stay the amount of time that you allot to stay in that store or whatever, that whatever your plan is, stick with your plan so that you leave on your terms versus anxieties terms, but just keep practicing, keep going out, keep taking the next step, the next step, the next step. Exactly. And Hmm, what am I going to say? Where to start? There's <laughs> so much to say. And actually, it's a little to say, right? Um, look, th there are two things. So people either fear that they're going to die, and that implicates that the, the, the sensations in your own stress system wants to kill you. And the other thing is, or, or the other situation is people know they're not going to die, but they just hate the feeling of anxiety. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. It's just really, I don't want to be comfortable. Like I'm more comfortable here. So have a think, what type are you? If you are type A, meaning that you still believe that anxiety is going to kill you or the sensations, well, think about it that, that humanity would have had such a short history. Your stress system is there to keep you safe. And it's only firing because you label these things as dangerous. So there is no way around than for you to go out there and relearn. There is no way around. So this is again, a little bit tough love. You have to make that decision. What do you, how do you want to live the rest of your life? Because you either stay there or you go there. There is really no alternative. And choose a path. And as Abby said, build your confidence slowly. If this is what you feel you need. If you feel you can take too much in the beginning, start slowly, make the kind of like an anxiety hierarchy where you say, okay, the easiest thing for me is to go to maybe to a shop and buy just one item. And the worst possible scenario would, would be me going to a concert alone or something like that. And then build your way up. To do this and then do that, do this and do that if you find this easier. Now, if you find that this takes too much time for you, just go out there, allow anxiety to be there and demand it to bring on a panic attack. 
and really ask anxiety to do its worst because you will always, always, always find that it is only unpleasant, but nothing more. And if you're the second type, same question applies. Like, is it worth living this way? Like, just because you don't want to be comfortable to stay at home and miss out on life. And you know what? If, if that is what you want to do, then absolutely okay, right? There is, nobody says you need to be out there. If you are happy where you are, then by all means, but then you don't have an anxiety problem necessarily if you're not suffering from mm-hmm. it. Right. So, yeah. Right. And Brian just posted here. What about being homebound with agoraphobia? Same. My, my favorite people to talk to, honestly, because you are not, I don't know where you live, Brian, but if your neighborhood is burning down to the ground it's and it's Brianna. full of murderers. It's Brianna, right? Michelle. Oh, I just see B-R-I-A-N. Oh, I didn't see the rest. Oh, Brianna. Okay. Oh, oh, there. It'll, that's weird. Oh, I had to move the cursor. Brianna, sorry. So same thing. Why are you home? Are there murderers outside your front door? If so, that's danger. You have fear and danger. So use fear to stay away from danger. If you're full of fear, that's when you go, fuck it. And you open the door and you go outside with fear. You have to bring fear with you to do this stuff. You have to go, even if fear doesn't show up, your willingness that fear fear may show up because you have to go with this mindset of, Let's go look for danger to fight because I am in fear, but I'm not in danger. I'm staying home because now I've labeled fear as danger. And every time I feel fear, I need to do something about it. Exactly how that cycle works. So if you're home right now and you have not walked out of your house, get your money's worth out of this webinar. Walk out with us, bring us with you. Open the door and step out outside and you will probably feel a rush of fear. Why? Because you've purposely stayed home. So the message you're telling your alarm system is that danger here safe. So when I go into danger, what does your body send you when you're in danger? Orgasms? No, fear. So expect fear to show up. It's the sign of a perfectly functioning body. And so your body's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing if you've identified leaving home as danger. And so exposure is needed, but it's not just action. It's action plus attitude plus intent. It's not, I have to feel better first and then go out and feel good while I'm out. And then I've succeeded. Wrong, 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 wrong. You won't get very far with that mindset because every time a fluctuating feeling comes back up, you pin your progress on a fluctuating feeling. I failed, I'm having a setback. Wrong, your willingness to feel will grow. That's how your confidence grows is I have to go out, bring fear with me to show fear there's no danger. And like Ada was saying, I'm going to go to this place. Oh, and Abby was saying, I'm going to go to the store and I'm staying in the store for five minutes. And if I burst into flames, I burst into flames, but I'm going to buy beans, corn, and bread. And if you want to scream and send me fear right along with me, sure. But fear is not the danger. I will be on high alert with fear in case danger shows up. I'll be ready to fight it, but now there's nothing to fight. So I will be in fight mode looking for beans, corn, and bread. And that's, that's the mindset of like, once I choose, you either choose to leave your house or you choose to not leave your house, whichever, make the choice. But if you choose to go, then you choose the next step. Then I choose to go willingly or reluctantly. And if you're going reluctantly, you're sending another message of white knuckling, of surviving through. And then when you come home, you go, I did it. I made it to the grocery store. How many times do I have to do that again? None like that because you're sending the message of survival. You want to go out feeling 
like willingly feel what you feel, but only fight when there's something fightable. So I hope that helps answer the agoraphobia, um, situational anxiety questions, because it doesn't matter. Like if, if I was somewhat technologically advanced and I was able to change my background, I can go, I'm having a panic attack here. And then I'm at the beach and then I'll change the background. I'm like, I'm having a panic attack here. And I'm at a grocery store. Like, how do you deal with panic attacks in the airplane? Same thing. Just a different screen. It's still this. It's still me. It's still me fighting how I feel wherever I am. And so where you are doesn't matter. I could be three feet from home or 300 miles from home. It's how I treat how I feel where I am. So that was you my mentioned little. earlier with the driving thing too, to like notice your surroundings. So slowing down was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of rushing through all my exposures. I would slow down. I would notice what I was doing, notice what I was feeling versus like trying to hightail it out of there. Cause that was just white knuckling. Right. 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 Because if your alarm's telling you speed up, get the hell out of there, Abby. Oh, do I have to run? No, there's no danger. So I'm purposely not going to run. Or if your alarm is telling you slow down, slow down. You might have a heart attack. Go slow. Or you might have a panic attack. Don't freak out. Go really slow. Speed up. It's almost like if your alarm's alerting you to danger and telling you to do something about the danger, find the danger first. Don't just blindly listen to your alarm. Don't just flee because you feel like fleeing. See if there's something to flee from first. Mm -hmm. And then flee if you found something to flee from. Exactly. I have uh, one question because I think this is, this applies to to so many people. Um, How to address intrusive thoughts of losing control and going crazy. Everybody in the chat who ever feared losing their mind, going crazy, freaking out, kicking children in the street, doing something totally inappropriate, like in a meeting, you know, standing up and screaming something really nasty at the people there, right? Or while driving or, or being in the train or in the plane and just like, like smashing windows and jumping out or, you know, so yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. 100% my world. Yes. Right. This is, so you that see one always guys, blows up the chat. Always. <laughs> always. Say the best always. till the end. Intrusive thoughts. <laughs> exactly. So intrusive thoughts, let me first respond to the going crazy. Why do so, so many people feel they're going crazy? And there, there's one simple explanation for that. And that is there is no context for your anxiety. When you see when you see that a leopard is chasing you and then you feel high anxiety and panic, you know, oh, it's that thing chasing me. So you know why you feel this way, right? But when you feel like that out of the blue, your anxious mind's like, what the fuck is going on? I can, there's no context. So, and then you become the context. Mm-hmm. Oh, if it's not external danger, then it must be your mind. So maybe you are going crazy. Maybe you're losing it. Maybe you're developing schizophrenia and all of these, these other things. So, and, and you, you then go, oh yeah, what if? Now, let me really monitor myself if I'm showing first signs of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. people with anxiety, they're fixated on the positive symptoms like hallucinations and grandiose ideas and, you know, visual hallucinations, all these things. And they're like, oh, did I hear something? I, did, was it a hallucination? And a lot of people, Michelle, you've heard this too, I'm sure. They're like, what if my intrusive thoughts are not thoughts, but they're actually voices. Er, yeah, yeah. Voices. <laughs> oh no. Well, for, it's phrased slightly different, but I, I didn't hear, what if I kill somebody? I just thought kill, or I saw the word kill, or I felt like my hand moved while I was by the window. Does that mean I was, I felt like I was just about to 
jump out the window, or I was just about to say, drop like some racial slur in, in my office meeting, a word, things I would never say ever. Oh my gosh. Felt like I was just about to that whole, um, that does that ever come up for anybody too? Like felt like I was just about to say something impulsively. And now we're purposely over controlling, trying to never do anything impulsively. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there's all this energy and it is stuck and you're there in a meeting or somewhere where you can't, you know, just run or exercise to get that excess energy up, but you have to be there and just like be calm and composed, but you have all that energy that is stuck. So your mind tries to make sense of that and bombards you with these thoughts like, oh my God, this is the point, just a little more, a little more, and you're going to explode and you're going to do that, that uh, weird thing. But of course, I mean, look at your history. Did that ever happen? Ever? <laughs> like, no, it doesn't because it doesn't happen. It's just another thought. And just because there's no context. So my my uh, advice to you would be that you always give your mind context right when you have that thought of oh my god what if i lose my mind this is getting too much this is this is not just anxiety this is much more to say you know what no this is just panic this is just energy with nowhere to go so you know what let's take this this energy go to the gym burn it off do something with it since it's there but don't allow it just to be stuck there like in a wreck havoc right. giving context giving context is really 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 important so keep that in mind and, and even just to add another simple layer to it, it's still a what if. So it doesn't matter the content of that what if. What if I go crazy? What if I grow a horn out of my head? Mm, well, then I'll have a horn out of my head. Oh, then I'll go crazy. And guess what? It won't be my problem anymore. Really? It's somebody else's problem. If I have no control over myself, mm, nothing else for me to worry about to control. And that's what we're trying. We're trying to pre-control losing control. And so we just stay in control to avoid losing control. You were not losing control to begin with. And so- Use that as a, an idea of the future. Oh, yeah, that would stink. I don't want that to happen. Well, let's give it five seconds. Here's fear, ready to fight something. But then usually the answer is, but Michelle, then I'll be too late. Well, then it'll be too late. Then I won't be able to, to what? To stop psychosis by thinking about psychosis? Come on, we all know. We all know we're not gonna prevent a heart attack from staying inside and not going outside. Or I'm not gonna not go crazy by stopping at exit 20 and not exit 21. Because exit 21 is where I like get full-blown schizophrenia. It's we're attending to fear. We're taking fear and a, a shitty thought of the future and we're sealing them together. And then this becomes our like perceived danger that we fight. And so that's why it always comes down to the fight. What if, oh yeah, there's one, there's a what if. And so it's, it's not even so much about the crazy. It's how I treat my imagined future. Cause it's not here. It's Anything that's one second to forever into the future is a what if, and all gets treated the same way. And Aida, I just wanted to add a question that goes right to yours too. Um, hello for intrusive thoughts. Will there always be a residue or reminder of the content of the thoughts, even if anxiety is very low? Hope that makes sense. So I think that ties in well to the question mm -hmm. you just said, you just, um, we just talked about. Thank you. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And you know what? I have intrusive thoughts regularly. Don't tell yeah. anybody. Michelle, mm -hmm. right? you too. All <laughs> right? day so, long. You know, All day residue, long. The residue you're referring to is more your response, your fear of it. Will I always fear them? Right. So, and, and you see from, from how you ask this, I, I, I get where you're coming from completely, but look at your question again. So you, you're still using the wrong target 
right? It's not about the absence of these thoughts. Mm -hmm. You think mm -hmm. that when they're absent, that means that you're mentally healthy or recovered. That comes later. It's like, if this is the goal, absence of thoughts, you first take the big, big turnaround. And that is to not be impressed. They're present and I'm not impressed. Mm -hmm. And this is how you don't feel anxiety when they come up. So I have them, but I don't, don't have anxiety about them. Michelle has them and Abby has them, but we don't get anxious when we have them because we're like, hmm, oh, that's a funny idea, whatever. And for you, it's, it still seems to be the case. They're coming and you're like, oh, you still get the jolt of fear. And this is where people, what people usually refer to when they say, oh, it's still there. Like it's less, but it's still there. So the, the adrenaline whoosh that comes with intrusive thoughts is what is still there. And this is something you have control over. So when you notice an intrusive thought, make light of it. Like, oh, oh, the, oh you know what? That's a boring idea. Right? I've heard this one like a thousand times. Come on, bring up something new. Always leave your door open. Don't engage too much with them. See them for what they are. And always use the, the level, not level of impression, but how impressed are you by your anxiety? Okay. This is one bar intensity of anxiety, and this is how impressed are you by it? Work on this. This mm -hmm. is not the target. It's not in your control. This. Mm -hmm. Are you impressed by this thought? A lot. Oh, yeah, then anxiety will stay high. Right. And that was never the problem. That hand was never the problem. Never. That it's hand might've been there, but kind of off to the side. And that's why I like, I'll call them illuminated thoughts because the ones that were off into the dark corner probably had them fleeting, but didn't even pick up on your radar until you're in a heightened state. And when the light's brighter, a light shines on everything equally in the room. Right. And so you might notice more of these thoughts. And here's another like misconceived perception that this, these thoughts are from anxiety. If I could just get rid of my anxiety, I can get rid of these thoughts. My anxiety keeps sending me these terrible thoughts. My brain keeps bombarding me. That's the wrong story to tell. No, nothing's sending you anything bad. It's not like the evil spaceship is beaming bad thoughts into your head. If I can get rid of anxiety, I can get rid of thoughts. What, what's happening is here's the same old weird shitty thoughts that we all have floating around. And then if there's a bright light shining on them, you're going to find more of them. But when the light kind of fades, they, they fade because of unimportance. They don't go away because you don't want, because you decided you don't want them there anymore. You, you're not in charge of their presence. You're in charge of the attention you send to it or not and how impressed you are and the perception of them and the story you tell. And so, because her specific question was like, there's a reminder of the content, like the content of the thoughts are still there. Guess what? So fucking what? So what is actually the answer? So what? I had, I walked past my husband who was, he set up in our bedroom and he's on his zoom call. And I knew he had an important meeting, but I had to get something from the bathroom because this is our life right now. We all live from home, work from home. And I had this flashing thought of what if I just like grabbed his head in the middle of the zoom call and went ah, like that. <laughs> like, don't you guys all think these thoughts like all the yeah. time? I think mm -hmm. this stuff all the time. Imagine it usually starts with me like, imagine, imagine I did this. What if this happened? And somebody brought up a good um, reminder that I wanted to say in the webinar. They said, um, but it's not about me doing something. Sometimes it's just scary uh, scenarios, like imagining like the playground your child's on collapsing or imagining something. Yeah. What about it? I have them too. I was in New York city and looked at a really tall building 
and imagined what if that building collapsed, uh, which, which road would I run down and which kid would I grab? We play these games in our head all the time, right? You're in the bridge. Who do you say first in the car? We do this stuff. These are, these are normal, normal, plain old run of the mill thoughts. The problem happens when you start acting as if those thoughts are a danger, accommodating your life around them. And so leave them alone. Here's the thoughts. Here's the fear. The fear fades first. And then the thoughts fade because of unimportance. People get stuck here in this step. And, you know, like you were saying, like the fear goes away. And what normally the next fear that comes in is, what well, if it comes back? Or I'm not scared anymore and I'm still having these thoughts. Does this mean I really want to murder a village of children? Because now I'm not scared. It was the fear that was preventing me from doing it. Wrong. All of that's incorrect. There, don't beat yourself up for progress. So it's the fear will leave first. And then the heightened focus of the thoughts will be left. And then that will start to fade. And it fades from unimportance, not because you don't want it there anymore. And so when you start treating them as unimportant, they go away by a fading process, not by, oh God, I got rid of anxiety, which eliminated these thoughts. So if you're trying on elimination, that's the wrong mindset. Exactly. And the only thing different between from you and us having these thoughts is just one thing. You get that root of adrenaline and we don't. That's the whole, and this is, and the root of adrenaline is what makes them feel scary and what makes them feel real, right? So if you wouldn't get that whoosh with it, you'll just go like, hmm, okay. So work on that. When next time you have you have a thought, you see that split screen we have here, right? So imagine there's just one screen. So this is when the, the thought comes up. And then I want you to change your view, almost like a split screen. Here is you, here is the thought. Like, so now we are separate. Oh, here is the thought, here is me, and there is the whoosh. Mm-hmm. Right? The three parts. Yep. So, oh, that has nothing to do with that, actually. Like, they're just coming together. So, fuck it. I can get excited by that whoosh of adrenaline. has nothing to do with that thought. Yeah. Right? So, cut it in three pieces, if you right. will. The fear is not danger, but the fear plus the thought creates, like, fake danger. I do that three-part thing, hey. too, like a triangle. There's you, there's your alarm, which is where the fear comes from. And then there's all the stuff your alarm is showing you triangle right you your thoughts feelings sensations the situation other people whatever blah 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 and the alarm that sends you fear so your alarm sends you fear to look at those things your job is what you do next their response how i respond to those. how i if i'm going to take that fear and use fear to fight the things that that fear is showing me and if i fight it i label it as danger and the loop continues. And if I see it and I change my behavior, that's the piece that's changeable. Not making sure I never get that rush of adrenaline again, not making sure those thoughts are gone. The changeable part is you. You're like that one corner of the triangle. That, this is the part you get to change. How I behave, how I treat it, the story I tell, the words that come out of my mouth. And as you run the show, your alarm will see you are no longer acting as a danger, whatever they are. Picture intrusive thoughts as like, you know, we're talking about skipped heartbeats, as like heart sensations, breathing as like lung sensations, view those random spontaneous thoughts as like, those are just brain sensations. Mm-hmm. Your brain makes thoughts out of nowhere. Sometimes we can purposely think if I'm reading a history book, I'll be thinking about history, but every once in a while I'm like, oh, chicken nuggets. Where did chicken nuggets come from? I'm having an intrusive chicken nugget thought. Mm-hmm. It's not the random thought that pops up. It's usually the rumination we do afterwards. Mm-hmm. trying to figure out why, why is it there? What does it mean? That's really the problem. Not the, the chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets yeah. aren't a problem. 
And I think the word keyword rumination is like a, a great finish to, to this call. Who ruminates here constantly? Our people refer to, oh, I'm always stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Who does that? And Abby, you remember that, that constant oh, yeah. rumination. Yeah. <laughs> is it the worst thing about anxiety? Like the panic is not the worst thing. Like it's being up there all, all the time. That journey is really helpful for that with the road. Yeah. 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 And rumination, you guys, is well, there are two, two kinds of rumination. So the one is like the background rumination, which just that residue of, of heightened arousal. You're doing, you're, you're flowing with your anxiety pretty well, but it's still just like a little bit sensitized and it goes on in the background. And there is that, that other rumination that you constantly being in your head and like, oh, how can I do this? How can I do that? And in Googling and doing and actively doing things. Right? This is a clear sign that you're not allowing. If you're stuck in your head, then know that you're not allowing, you are turning in circles. Like you've chosen mm -hmm. like that. Rumin is almost like if, if there is something I don't like and by doing this, I'm keeping it at bay somewhat at least, but it's not gone, but it's right there and I need to solve it somehow. So let's think about this, how I could do that, right? And it, of course it never works because you just go in circle. And allowance means, you know, getting out of the way, like allowing things to be there, come and go, come and go, but get out of the way of what is going on. And then the rumination also gets a lot better. Like it, right. can, it can get better in an instant, the moment you choose to accept. Because rumination is your action. I, a lot of people don't, it's hard to wrap their mind around that because that always ties in with the OCD stuff, and, but it's Puro and, and my brain just keeps ruminating. No, the ruminating is, is the attention, the focus, the time, the energy you're sending towards something, you know? So like rumination just means to think deeply about something. It's not inherently good or bad. It's an action, but what are you spending your time thinking deeply about? Is it this thought I don't like, what's wrong with me, why? So like the act of ruminating is, there's nothing really wrong with it. You can spend a lot of time ruminating about things you find enjoyable, but we get stuck is thinking very deeply about this thing that I don't like, that I need to get rid of and why. And that's the loop because you're, you're in problem solving mode for a non-fightable thing. And so is all of this time I'm spending thinking deeply about this, is this helpful? Is this useful? If it is, I will continue. If it's not, I will not continue. Or I can going to continue it for 15 minutes and I'm going to set the timer on my phone. Little ways you can take charge of like, this is a habit thing. Rumination is a habit. This is not the out of control part. The random thoughts that pop up are. And so it's how, what I, how I treat them afterwards. And so I, I hope that helps with rumination. Um, you know, and it's, if you're engaged in your head, you're not engaged in life. Exactly. So you get back into life and you may have to redirect your focus. Like you know, a hundred times in a day, but that's how you're going to get out of the rumination cycle. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and knowing that rumination doesn't like this can still be here while I decide to think about something else. I'm not thinking about something else to not think about this or to check and see if this is gone guys. Again, the, the dare is not to get rid of what you originally signed up for to get rid of. It's not to, to calm your heart palpitations or get rid of dizzy or eliminate thoughts. It's to to decide I'm not staring at thoughts anymore. I get to think elsewhere. And then as a byproduct of this, these start fading back into the background where, where they kind of belong. You're keeping them here because you're treating them as important. And so your brain only hangs on to what you're showing it is important. You have to let go of stuff first to allow it to fade to the background. 
but we're hanging on until it fades to the background. Gotta let go of it and look somewhere else first and then allow that process to, to happen. Cool. Um, I think we're out of time. Is there any other question, Michelle, that you found to be very Those are the ones I marked just because it was like, you know, one from all the main mm -hmm. top categories. Um, seeing a lot of them are a lot of this, a lot of repeats, but um, so yeah, what we could do is you, put these up and maybe do some, some random posts. I don't know if we'll get them in before the next webinar, but if there's not so many questions before the next one, we'll try and do some of those next week too. I, so actually I'd like to ask a quick question. Sorry, um, anybody in the chat, what's the biggest takeaway you got out of this? We've never done this before. Like, um, like what's something like you learned that you were like, oh shit, that's what I've been doing. Oh, that's that. Oh yeah, I've been doing this. And did anybody get anything or is this just another rinse and repeat or like what was helpful? Yeah. Then go, let go. Did, you, did you maybe realize what you're doing wrong also? Not the beating up process yet. CHFS. <laughs> you probably have it. You probably have it. Acceptance is softening. Yeah, that's a big one, guys. If you take anything, take that one. Because if you're going, I accept and allow. How many days do I have to accept and allow these thoughts? Not like that. That's not accepting and allowing. How many days do I have to allow my thoughts? All day long. It's, it's not like an active thing. It doesn't require energy. It requires like a little fight, faith, a little trust in the beginning. And then that builds on to grow confidence. But it's, it's learning how to like let go means soft. It means release. It doesn't mean hang on until it disappears. Exactly. Cool. And maybe just, you know, sorry, I, I saw something that I, I need to, to respond to. <sighs> exhaustion, depletion, exhaustion, depletion, depression in the context of anxiety, right? Depression is, is a big thing, but in the context of anxiety, also, also feedback that you're not accepting because this all the time is super, super exhausting, doesn't get you anywhere. And that leads to depression and feelings of hopelessness because it's like, no matter how hard I try, yeah. it's not working. Something is really wrong with me or I, I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I just can't do it. Other people seem, seem to do it. This is not the case. It's, you are using the wrong tools for the wrong target. Okay, so maybe um, listen to this webinar again, listen to, to the book again, read the book again and see if you are using any of these things in order to get rid of. Because usually that moment people get it where, where they flip the switch and they really accept their energy comes back mm -hmm. because you're, you're using all that energy to fight and you still have a life. You have a family or kids to take care of. You have a job, but that, that takes energy up too. So of course you're depleted at the end of, of the day. Right, right. Because that feeling of hopelessness comes along with, but I'm doing all this stuff and I still can't get rid of these thoughts. But I hope this helps clear up that you were never meant to get rid of those thoughts. That's why you feel so down and sad and depleted and hopeless in the context of anxiety, right? Not talking about all depression in, in general sense, which is a whole nother, a whole nother webinar, but like, it's like, well, of course I'm going to be frustrated if every, if I think I can do this and change the weather and I do this every time it rains and the weather's still the same, I'm going to be tired and feel like use, like what a useless use of all my energy. And what's the point of doing all this stuff if I still feel, and it's learning how to say, we didn't really address feelings, emotions on this same thing as thoughts and sensations. It's, I have to, my feelings are here. I'm not responsible for the feelings that show up. I'm responsible for how I treat what shows up. 
And so that's what's in my control. Cool. So, um, Avi, you mentioned Dear Advance in the beginning. Um, just a friendly reminder that Dear Advance is a group coaching program that we have. Uh, it's the one Abby mentioned in the beginning. It's only, I don't know, what is it? 30 bucks a month? Dollar a day. That's what I told Barry. We're going to do that. The new dollar a day. Dollar a day. Like nothing. What else has cost you a dollar a day? Yeah. And if you would like to see more of this, like it's exactly this setting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just talking about anxiety, about all things anxiety, you can pick three out of five calls a month. And it's a really, really cool bunch bunch of people. Um, and you get the app included, like you're a premium app subscriber if you're in the chat, right, Michelle? Yeah, so, yeah. everybody here already pays $10 a month for the app. Dare Advance includes the app and these webinars also. And Dare Advance, yeah. which are group calls that I run, Aida runs, Barry runs one of them a month. They are recorded. You can access them. It's a private Facebook page. It's not just a Facebook page. It's it's like a little family. It really, really is. And like, I'll never forget can, the people in Dare Advance. Yeah. And you can ask questions or you can just listen to the calls. It's definitely cooler than just texting something in the chat. Although this is cool too, of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and- you can find all about Dare Advance on, on the website. Sorry, Michelle, did you want to add something? No, no, I was just answering that question. How do you sign up? It's it's not on the app yet because we try and keep the numbers a little bit lower. We're worried if we put it of the link on the app, we'd have like suddenly like a thousand Dare Advance members. <laughs> It'd be a lot all at once. So if you go on the website, um, dareresponse.com, um, you can find um, pro underneath programs, you'll find Dare Advance. Exactly. And this will be, this webinar will be posted on the app and we'll stay online for a month, I think, right? It stays, it stays on the app for a month, but then what we're going to do is they'll always be accessible on the Dare Advance page. But what, what we do also is we take chunks and bits and pieces out of each webinar and then little bits of like the highlights are going to be posted on our YouTube channel, accessible to everybody. And then I believe the, the full recordings will stay forever on the Dare Advance pages. I think we have like the capacity for it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Abby. Thank you for attending. It's great. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Dare Podcast. The Dare app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.